Typical 31. Everyone doing the Macarena at the Democratic National Convention. The rapper Tupac Shakur is shot in Las Vegas after attending a boxing match. Miraculously, the letter you wrote to Brett Easton Ellis asking to interview him for your graduate lecture at Bennington, which is to be a recitation of your literary journey to date, is answered. Your father telling you that someone named Brett left a message on the machine, and when you return it, Ellis invites you to come to New York to conduct the interview in person, and you immediately agree to the plan. Tupac holds on for almost a week before dying. Rumors that he's faked his own death abound. The mother in Texas who hired a hitman to kill her daughter's cheerleading rival's mother in an effort to get the rival to drop out of contention is sentenced to prison. The Mississippi Review, a small but prestigious literary magazine run by the acclaimed writer Frederick Bartolme, accepts your short story. We are so famous for publication, the story chosen for the prize issue judged by Mary Robeson, another acclaimed writer, and the feeling that having published one previous short story was a fluke, recedes a little. Denied a seat at the presidential debates, Ross Perot goes on Larry King afterward to rebut. The detective who found the bloody glove on O.J.'s property enters a no-contest plea over his lying about not having used the N-word in a decade or more. In prepping for your interview with Brett Easton Ellis, you call the exclusive private school Ellis attended to request any info, and before you can say Ellis's name, the woman who answers the phone assumes you're calling about the actor Matthew Perry. You arrive in New York City a day before your scheduled interview with Ellis, Landing at your Bennington friend's apartment in Queens, amazed to find yourself in a place you never thought you'd be, the cacophony makes you giddy. The landmarks you previously viewed only through the lens of a television screen or imagined from the pages of books big as the sun up close. You scope out Ellis's apartment in the East Village, too anxious about the interview, but overprepared too. You arrive early the next day with your tape recorder and notebook, too early, and you're made to wait in the lobby. But then you realize you have to pee, and the doorman points you in the direction of a bathroom down a hall, and you start to worry that Ellis will come looking for you and find you in the bathroom meant for the maintenance crew. But when you return to the lobby, the doorman tells you that you can go up, and you didn't consider that Ellis wouldn't in fact descend to the lobby to retrieve you, the ride to the second floor is quick, and when you land, the elevator opens on a small hallway, Ellis's door slightly ajar, and before you know it, the shy author is shaking your hand and inviting you into his brightly lit but sparsely furnished loft. There's no table, and so you use a third chair for the tape recorder, and the question and answer session lasts all afternoon and into the fading light. You're astonished at the depth of his answers, and your admiration for him grows tenfold. He walks out with you when it's over to fetch some Corona and limes from the corner deli, and when you part, he tells you that New York City is a great place to be a writer, and it all but seals the matter in your mind. Bill Clinton is the first Democratic president since Franklin Roosevelt to win re-election. Michael Jackson's longtime friend, who is also a nurse in Jackson's dermatologist's office, is pregnant with his child, and they quickly marry. Prince now wants to be called the artist, 
A pint-sized beauty queen is found murdered in her home right around Christmas, and no one seems to know who did it. You've been listening to Typical of the Times, growing up in the culture of spectacle by Jamie Clark, editor of the anthology talk show On the Couch with Contemporary Writers. 